Welcome to 24 Hour Expert, where we challenge each other to see what we can learn on random topics in just a day. I'm Allie. And I'm Amy. Let's see what we've learned. I was going to say good evening, but hello, Amy. Hello, Allie. How are you? Good. My brain just was like, oh, it might not be evening. It may be. It could be any time. Yeah. We hope you're enjoying this whenever you're listening to it. Exactly. So before we get started on our topic, I think we need to start a new segment. Not that we really have segments. I was going to say, do we have any to build from? We don't, but maybe we should have a segment called Listener Fun Facts. Listener Fun Facts. I can get behind that. Every once in a while, a listener will reach out after an episode with a fun fact about our topic. And I usually try and share them. I think so far, everybody has got to hear listeners' fun facts. But I think it's time to properly acknowledge them. And maybe we can even make one of those little like sound bites. And it's like, listener fun fact! Or it doesn't have to sound like that. But I don't know. I think we should commit. I liked it. Thank you. Thank you. So our listener fun fact for this episode is about ghost ships. And it comes from Katie. In Crater Lake, which is located in Oregon, there's an island, or I guess a rock formation, but I think technically it's an island, and it's called Phantom Ship because it looks like a ship that has wrecked in the lake. Oh, so not a real ship, it's rocks that's misleading people. Yes, it looks like a ship. That is a fun fact. Thank you so much, Katie. Yeah, so thank you, listener, for fun facts. Oh, I love a new segment. So this week, the actual topic we are going to talk about is bacteria. That is a very alley topic. Yes. Are we talking about all bacteria, bacteria as a whole? So, yes, that's one of the problems, right, with doing a episode on bacteria. It could go a lot of different ways. Right. But what kind of spurred this idea was sewage systems. Yeah. When we talked about how bacteria helps in sewage systems. So I'm going to talk about other areas that bacteria help us accomplish certain things. I love that. I think bacteria is very underrated in a lot of capacities. I feel like it gets a bad name because all of the bottles of anything is like kills 99.9% of bacteria, which is good in the case of like the pandemic or icky germs that cause colds and whatever. Yeah. But also bacteria plays a lot in like food processing and obviously sewage and like hygiene, but also just like it just exists. It's just out in the world. Right. And I'm going to do some fun facts later, but I'll share one now. I've gotten some varying statistics, but only one to 3% of bacteria that we know of are pathogenic to humans. So most bacteria is completely harmless, and some even help us, but we'll get into that. Which makes total sense, because it's everywhere. Literally, it's everywhere. Literally. First, we're going to talk about just some bacteria basics Okay. for those who do not have science degrees. Science Alley. That should be a segment. (laughs) Science Alley! It's just a whole episode. It's a Science Alley episode. It's like if Bill and I were here with us. So, bacteria are single-celled organisms that are classified based on their shape, which can be spherical, rod, comma, or corkscrew. Those shapes have very sciencey names, but we're going to keep it simple. This sure. Sport. Like when you're playing cards and you call a club a puppy paw. Sure. Do yeah. people not do that? I'm sure some people do. Okay, well. When you're playing with tiny humans, you call them puppy paws. Perfect. I love it. We're going to keep or it. Or shovels. Spades are shovels. You know that. Yeah, that one. Yeah, I've heard, yeah. 
So bacteria can exist as a single cell, in pairs, chains, or clusters. Okay. They are found in every habitat, even extreme ones. Meaning Antarctica. Like in Antarctica, in ice, in volcanoes. Mm. I mean, literally you can find them everywhere, like we said. Some live in or on other organisms and can be either symbiotic, which is good and helpful, Mm -hmm. or parasitic, which is bad. Mm -hmm. Fun fact... There are 10 times as many bacterial cells in the human body as there are human cells. So you're literally made of more bacteria than you are human. That's like when people tell you the fact about dust is like 90% your skin cells or something like that. Right, yeah. Things you didn't need to know, but here we are. Yeah. And most of the bacteria in our bodies are found in the lining of our digestive system and help us Break down food. In digestion. See, we need a campaign to help our bacteria get a better name for itself. Exactly. So in this case, that would be a symbiotic relationship. So when you learned about symbiotic relationships in school, do you remember the picture? I think it was of a hippo that had the little bird on it. And the bird would eat the bugs off the hippo. And that's how they explained like a symbiotic relationship. Yes. Yeah. But... Recently, I read something, and don't quote me on this. I mean, I know this is all, like, recorded and going out on the internet, but I could be wrong. But I recently read an article that they thought that's what was happening, and they've recently discovered the birds are actually, like, drinking the blood of these animals. (gasps) Oh, my God. I hate that I told that story now. Because at first you're like... No, but that's like the classic example. I know exactly is. what you're talking Cute about. bird riding like on... sitting on a rhino or something. Yeah, yeah, giant mammal. And it's eating the bugs off. And they're like, look, the bird's helping the rhino. It's getting food. The rhino's not dying because of it. And if the bird didn't exist, then the parasites would eat the rhino or whatever. Right. Hypothetically. I'm just repeating what I remember from like fifth grade or no, whatever you, you this. you just... So now yeah, you're cl- telling me that that cute little bird... The whole thing that we believed was like the best friendship ever is drinking their blood. Now, it might not be every bird that sits on every animal because <laughs> there are a lot of different That's birds who sit on a lot of different animals. But there was <laughs> one bird in particular, and I don't know which bird that sat on what animal. Yes. Because I just kind of picture. read it in passing. Yeah. But yeah, they thought it was that kind of relationship, and apparently it was not. Wow. But there still are, yes, those kinds of relationships wow. out there in nature. Yes. Right. I was just, we've just unpacked so much of my childhood in the last little bit. But anywho, on to bacteria. So back to bacteria. Back to bacteria. (laughs) Bacteria reproduce by binary fission. So basically, that just means one cell splits into two what are called daughter cells. And they are clones of the parent cell. So they're all the same. It's all the same. And because that's how they reproduce, they reproduce exponentially. Got it. So two becomes four. Yep. Four becomes exponentially. Exponential. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how that works. Math. Do you ever think, whenever I think of that, I think of that scene in the office where he's like, it's not a pyramid scheme. This guy sells to me and then he sells to <laughs> And then like Jim goes up and, and draws, draws the triangle. triangle. Yeah. <laughs> the study of bacteria is called bacteriology, which is a branch of microbiology. We love microbiology. Yeah, I used to do. Do you know that I know a microbiologist? I know you know, because it's me. <laughs> it's you. <laughs> I was at one point in life. I, I, if, I feel like you get to claim that forever. Like I was for, like, yeah, I it's am like a microbiologist. It's your degree. You are literally qualified to do that. I am. I just don't do it anymore. But yeah, but I did used to do it, yes. Hypothetically, you could be a like microbiologist. Like once a microbiologist, always a microbiologist. I mean, yeah. 
I mean, you paid a lot of money for your degrees that tell you you are one. Yeah. So true. whether you use them or not. Fair. Yeah. So microbiology. <laughs> <laughs> the ancestors of bacteria were the first forms of life on Earth about 4 billion years ago. <gasps> wow. Mm-hmm. So one thing before we go back to talk about bacteria that I think we should go over because I think these two things are often confused are bacteria and viruses. Mm, yeah. Maybe more so now people are a little more educated because of the whole pandemic and everything. But bacteria and viruses are very different organisms. The main difference being that bacteria can usually survive outside of their host and are alive. Okay. And by alive, that means they can reproduce. Which is just cloning themselves, as we yeah, previously just learned. Splitting and cloning. Whereas viruses are non living. Because they need a host cell to reproduce. So they can't reproduce oh. on their own. I think I knew that, but you stated that very well. And I was debating on whether or not I should get on the antibiotic soapbox. But mm. I feel like pretty much most people know that antibiotics don't work for viruses. Yes. But people insisting on having antibiotics. And then there's doctors who cave and prescribe them. So I don't think I'll go on the whole tangent. But just know... If you have a something like a common cold that is a virus, antibiotics won't do anything. Stop demanding antibiotics. And if you are put on antibiotics for an actual bacterial infection, you need to finish the entire pack. Because if you stop halfway just because you feel better, that's when bacteria start becoming resistant because you haven't killed them enough. I'll leave it there. That was a very mini soapbox. I think you did a nice Thank job. Thank you. I will tell you that I've heard her entire soapbox on this, and it can go on for a while. Yeah. I I debated whether or not to bring it up, but just in case there's somebody out there who doesn't have that information, just keep that in mind. Tell me again how you're not a microbiologist. (laughs) So it's so funny because in my notes here, the next thing I was going to say is, what feels like a lifetime ago, I worked in a microbiology lab. Sorry, spoil the surprise. (laughs) So spoiler, I used to work in a microbiology lab. This also is what kind of gave me this idea along with sewage systems because part of what I did when I did this was people would send different materials for microbial testing. So some of the tests we would do would be like paint samples. Mm -hmm. They'd send you a little canister of paint from their most current batch. You would make sure it didn't have bacteria in it. The other thing we used to test for was airplane water. Oh. Make sure that it was safe to drink. Sanitary. Yep. Yep. And not related to bacteria, but also just kind of cool since I'm talking about the testing I used to do, was we'd get different textiles, like fabrics, materials, and we would see how mold resistant they were. Ooh, I love that. There is literally nothing worse than when you take your clothes out of the dryer or something and there's that mildew smell. We used to have that like at one of our old houses and I had to do the like washing machine cleaner a bunch of times because whoever owned it previous to us would leave wet clothes sit in there. So it took me forever to actually kill the smell in the washing machine so it wouldn't transfer to your clothes. But certain fabrics would hold on to it forever. Yes. Like I had a favorite dress and it I literally couldn't get it out. It was like it clung in there forever. Oh, that would be so disappointing. Yeah. And we did a lot of specifically like outdoor materials that you might use oh, yeah. for well, outdoor furniture. A lot. And the cool thing was if any of the... So when they send you a material sample, they send you, let's say, like a pillowcase worth or more of the material. Okay. And I might need four 
two by two inch squares out of it. So if it passed all of its testing, we were allowed to take extra material home. Or like the paint samples, if they came back clean and didn't have any bacteria, we were allowed to take the paint samples home because... Where are they going to go? Yeah. Otherwise, it all just gets thrown away. Right. We, you know... Because they failed the test. I mean, yeah, if they didn't pass the testing, then obviously we properly disposed of them because we knew they were contaminated. Right. But, yeah, so that was kind of a random little perk of that job. Yeah. They were like, we don't want this tiny pillowcase with holes in it back. If that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. And I actually did use the paint for some... Our I believe I had paint. Yeah, I definitely shared the wealth because we had a lot of paint samples. Yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah. I feel like I even we painted a picture for my dorm room or something. I mean, it's been a, a million years now, but yes. So moving on, real quick, I want to touch on common industries that common to test your products for bacterial contamination, and then we'll go on to industries that use bacterial in their processes. Okay. So common industries that do bacterial testing or just any microbial testing, cosmetics, which is probably a really obvious one, pharmaceuticals, drinking water, like I mentioned, healthcare facilities regularly test their surfaces. I also used to work for a company that did that. Mm -hmm. Prisons and jails. Which makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of population, close quarters. Yep. And medical device manufacturers. Also makes total sense. Yeah. So a lot of places that we want to make sure there's not bacteria, but let's talk about the places we do want them. Yes. Rally for good bacteria. Yes. So my favorite use for bacteria that I came across in this research was for the production of insulin. Really? Yes. Insulin, if there's anyone out there who doesn't know, is commonly used for, not commonly used, probably only used for people who have diabetes and need to control their blood sugar. So traditionally, insulin was retrieved from cows and pigs. Mm. But certain bacteria have been genetically engineered to produce the hormone insulin in a pure form that is less likely, fun fact, to cause an allergic reaction. Wow. That's got to be good considering you're already going into kind of a vulnerable space. Exactly. The bacteria are put in a large fermentation tank where they produce large amounts of insulin. The insulin is then harvested and purified and then packaged for use. Wow. And I did not know that you could do that. I did not know you could do that either. So that was a really fun one. I often think of bacteria in the good sense of breaking things down, right? Like it's yeah. there to eat like the we talked about in sewage or... Yeah. I mean, it's out in nature. To do that. And even like in the human body, it's completely, not completely, I'm being generalizing, but for decomposition. Yeah. We needed to do that. Otherwise, so often, think of what a hot mess everything would be. Oh, yeah. Just riddled with dead corpses everywhere. Yes. <laughs> Not to be dramatic. <laughs> but you don't often think of it producing something as much as you think of it as destroying something. Right. Positively. Even. Yes. And especially as someone, well, and you are as well, who has several friends that are type 1 diabetics, so mm-hmm. they're completely reliant on insulin. I just think that that's super cool. Super cool. Another cool thing that they can do is they can be used to help clean up oil spills in the ocean. See, I love that. Yeah. I am brand loyal to very few things in my life, but Dawn dish soap has sold me because of the ducks in the oil. Oh. (laughs) But I should be more brand loyal to bacteria. There you go. So bioremediation is any process that uses decomposers, some like bacteria, and green plant enzymes to improve the condition of contaminated environments. 
So bacteria can be used to clean up oil spills because there are specific bacteria that can remediate hydrocarbons, which are present in oil and gasoline. Okay. Amy, I think this one will blow your mind. I'm ready. There are bacteria known as genobacter that can actually clean up radioactive waste. Wow. Yeah. How they do this was discovered by Gemma, and I'm going to screw up her last name and I'm so sorry, Regura of Michigan State University. Yay! Go green! Go white. Thank you. On one side of the cell, these genobacter bacteria make protein filaments that act like tiny little wires, and it literally zaps the uranium. The jolt triggers a chemical reaction that gives bacteria the energy and the chemistry traps the uranium in a mineral form, which prevents the material from spreading throughout the environment. Wow. On the cell surface and on the other side of the cell without these little quote-unquote wires, the bacteria have molecules called liposaccharides that coat its surface and soak up the uranium like a little sponge. Wow. Yeah. So these findings could be useful to create new ways to remediate dangerous pollution and recycle and reclaim scarce metals from electronic waste. Wow. So Gemma is investigating whether or not they can be encouraged to pull toxic metals from other wastes. Wow, go Gemma. Yeah. And if you Google bacteria and cleaning up toxic waste, an MSU link will come up and also listed. I should have written down their names and I didn't. Um, The students, her students that helped accomplish all of this. It's in the first five articles that come up. Yeah. As it should. As it should. Yes. So very exciting because the article talks about how I think originally the little wire piece Mm -hmm. of the puzzle they put together in like 2011. And then more recently, they figured out how the rest of it with the whole little sponges was working. That's amazing. Also, let's just take into perspective here. You're talking about something that is probably undetectable to the human eye in terms of bacteria. Yeah. But then also it's got such a complex system working, right? Like now we've got the wires and the sponges and it's all doing these really cool things. And you can't even see it. No. I mean, you can under a telescope, you know what I mean? Yeah. We can't just look out and be like, oh, God, God, these bacteria clean up this uranium. I I also wonder now, do you think Gemma gets a lot of headaches, like looking through magnifying glass? I'm sure there's so much more to it than that, but that's like what I equate it with. I don't know. You probably get used to it after a while. Yeah. Because if you do it right, and I still have trouble doing it right, you keep both eyes open. You're not supposed to close one and squint in uh, there. I for sure didn't do that. But it's hard. It's hard to. Yeah, because what's the other eye do? Just floating around in the world? Well, a lot of them have two the eye devil. pieces. Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking If you're somebody who's like, no, I mean, there are microscopes that just have one eye piece. You're probably thinking like high school ones. Yeah, yeah. Most of the ones that at least I worked with were double eye pieces so it makes it a little bit easier we don't have to I know you all can't see her right now but Allie's literally demonstrating how she would close one eye <laughs> or the other so I thought that was so cool because there's so many places where that could be implemented to help yeah. clean up waste that we have no way of really cleaning up yep bacteria because it's amazing is also used to make some of our favorite foods I believe that so think of anything not anything that has to ferment but most things that have to ferment Yeast is a big player in fermentation, which we all probably know. But bacteria also plays a role for a lot of foods. Yogurt, for example. 
uses two different types of bacteria to ferment the milk. You can also use bacteria to ferment beer. Fascinating. The article I read mentioned that it's mostly used in German Berliner Weiss beers. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. I feel like you're pretty close. I feel like I am pretty close. One of my favorite drinks, besides beer, is also made using bacteria. Kombucha. Oh, I still don't get how you drink that, but I support you. Thank you. So kombucha, for anyone who doesn't know, is a fermented tea. Bacteria and yeast live in a symbiotic biofilm clump called the Scooby. (laughs) And they work together to convert sugars into acid, which is why the tea has that tart flavor to it. And then obviously you flavor it with typically fruits or other things. Sure. Right. I actually have a kombucha kit. I've never actually started it. Because I just buy it. But maybe someday I'll get motivated enough to try and, like, make my own. That would be cool. Yeah. The microbiologist in you, I think, would really enjoy that. Yeah, that's why I originally, like, wanted the kit. Because I got it for Christmas one year, I think. But, you know, time. Yeah. Time is always the issue. Always. For all of our chocolate lovers out there, cacao beans are fermented with yeast and bacteria, which help break them down so they can be made into chocolate. Oh. All right. Before we finish out this episode... Let's go over some bacteria fun facts. We love a bacteria fun fact. If you lined up all the bacteria end to end, it would stretch 10 billion light years. So it would stretch from here on Earth to the edge of the universe. Wow. But then it would be reproducing, so it would just be duplicating itself. Yeah, that would be insane. I mean, they also die too. I mean, right. Yeah, yeah. Bacteria was discovered in 1674 by Dutch scientists... Anton van Leeuwenhoek. And I feel like I remember that I'm saying that right, but I could be wrong. Leeuwenhoek? Leeuwenhoek? Leeuwenhoek. Who noticed them while looking at the scrapings from the human mouth under the newly invented microscope. Wow. I wonder if he had headaches. Probably more than, more likely than. Probably, yeah. There's a type of Pseudomonas bacteria, which lives in the ocean, and it can go from birth to reproduction in 10 minutes flat. Wow. It's one of the fastest reproducing. It might be the fastest reproducing, actually. Probably not dangerous, given that it's in the ocean. I don't think so. I mean, there was no note about it being dangerous. Most bacteria is not dangerous to us. Hence the start of this episode. Yes. This goes right along with what we're saying. Most bacteria have yet to even be discovered. I believe that. It's kind of like, you know, the ocean. There's what, the Earth is 75% water and... Only some odd percentage of the ocean has even been explored or something like that. Bacteria is the same. Yeah. Everything is so much bigger than we realize it is. Yeah. I feel like these episodes make me feel very introspective and then I pick topics like high heels. It makes me very tiny understand why space freaks Dan out so much. Yeah. Like the most tiny. Like it still doesn't like freaks me out. But Well, you just said that bacteria could reach the end of the universe. So Dan would not like that fact. No. Sorry, Dan. Yeah. Bacteria are fast. E. coli can travel 25 times its own length in one second. Wow. So that would be the equivalent of a horse running 135 miles per hour. Wow. You've heard of mitochondria? Yep. Powerhouse of the cell. Yes. Which apparently is not true. It's just more complicated. Okay. Mitochondria that are found in our cells are descendants of bacteria that were engulfed by larger microorganisms billions of years ago. Wow. So it's like a remnant of a bacterial cell living in our cells. I can get behind that. Floating bacteria can spur condensation, and some scientists propose spraying this bacteria into clouds to end droughts. 
Oh. To like make it rain. Yeah. And make it rain. Make it rain. Scientists have programmed instructions into the genes of E. coli and can make them form different shapes on command. That's cool. So kind of like computers. Well, that could get creepy really quickly. Yeah. See, I feel like Dan should be more scared of that than space. <laughs> yeah, because this is more of like a actual like we're manipulating something like to do present something. thing. <laughs> I mean, space not, is present, <laughs> not, not present. You know what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like something that could is more likely to affect our day to day life. I understand than spaces. <laughs> Did you know that body odor is caused by bacteria? I did know that. Yeah. So our sweat doesn't smell. It's the bacteria that consumes our sweat that then smells. Mm-hmm. It still sucks, though. Chocolate is actually an antibacterial food. I love that. Yeah. I could go on and on about bacteria facts. I really had to, like, pare this down. And I know 12 is still a lot of facts. I do feel like you've done a good job paring it down, though. I just I want to pick really fun ones. My last fun bacteria fact before we wrap it up is... You saved the best for us. I think it's funny. Okay. <laughs> everyone everyone has a unique landscape of bacteria in their belly button. I believe that. So I was going to say I saw something on TikTok, but I don't want you to be sassy, but I did see something on TikTok that like when you're under anesthesia, one of the places that like for whatever reason they have to check occasionally is your belly button. And apparently it can be horrifying in there. So think about, like, if you're not a person who regularly cleans it, not only do you have your whole own landscape of bacteria in your belly button, you could also have, like, crumbs or a bug in there. I believe it. It's so gross. I would just rather have the bacteria. Yeah. And actually, when I was reading these fun facts, they talked about a guy, I don't know why, maybe it was during a study, they were culturing people's belly buttons, and this guy had bacteria in his belly button that has only previously been found in soil in Japan, but he's never been to Japan. No way. Isn't that crazy? Weird. Isn't that weird? You snuck in a 13th fun fact there, I but did. I support it. It's like a 12A. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, Amy. Well, that's all I have for you on bacteria for now. Do with that what you will. Thanks for letting us talk at you. If you have any comments, corrections, suggestions, or a fun fact, you can email us at 24hourexpert at gmail.com. Spell out all the words. It's also our website, Instagram, and Facebook, and you can find us there. Talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to 24 Hour Expert. Our theme song is Lo-Fi World by Ricky Bambino. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you're notified of future episodes. 